This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. On this episode, we'll be talking about what it looks like to adapt your style or approach to fit the creative needs of a project. I recently had the opportunity to participate in recording sessions for a new single for our church worship team that we just released. And along the way, I learned a lot about the importance of teamwork, flexibility, and humility, especially when listening back on the work we put in. Today, we'll be dissecting the uncomfortable for some truth of why your own personal photographic style isn't always king when it comes to the work you do for your clients. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast. I'm, I'm actually certain I've never shared this on the podcast because I was talking to my assistant about this and she was like, wait, what? How did I not know this about you? How did I not know that you spent 12 years as a classical musician? So I started out as a woodwind player. I began on the flute when I was 10. And then when I got to high school, I moved on to the bassoon. I also dabbled with percussion instruments and a little bit of piano. And when it comes to vocals, which is what we're going to be talking about today, I've been serving on our church's worship team for eight years at this point. And then before that, I sang in the worship band in college. And before that, I was on the worship team at the church that I grew up in. So I guess what I'm saying is I have enough external validation to be able to say that I am a pretty okay vocalist for the purposes of a worship team. Definitely not the best, not by far, but I'm able to carry a tune well enough that other people can follow along, which is the point of the worship team, to lead the church through music. And even though I'm a bit self-conscious about my voice, as you can probably glean from this intro, it's not so incapacitating that it stops me from singing into a microphone. But when our worship director, Gentry, announced that he was going to begin recording the services, this was before COVID, before everybody went uh, virtual, He was going to start recording services so that we could listen back on the game tape. My knee-jerk reaction was, absolutely not. No, I'm not going to listen to that. I know that it's going to be bad, and I really don't want proof as to how bad it sounds. Classic avoidance. Super healthy. I know. My mindset was, which admittedly was very prideful now that I'm saying it out loud, my mindset was that what I was doing seemed to be working well enough for Sunday morning worship, and if there was a problem, then I'm sure somebody would tell me. And otherwise, I thought to myself, there was nothing to be gained by listening back on what I knew was going to be a mediocre recording, other than to further undermine my confidence and maybe even make me even less sure of myself the next time I stepped up to the mic. And as it turns out, the opposite actually happened. So a little background on our church's worship team and how we ended up stepping into the recording studio, because that is not like a par for the course kind of situation. Most churches don't do this. So our worship leaders had been writing music for our church on the down low for a while, but after Gentry Morris arrived seven years ago as Reston Community Church's new associate pastor and worship director, he began to push the songwriting aspect of things to be more intentional. Our team began planning songwriting retreats. I actually got to go on one this past June. It was really fun. And we started seeing more RCC originals being sung on Sunday mornings. Well, Sunday evenings now because our church meets in the evening. 
Gentry comes from a highly musical background. He spent years as a touring musician. He has numerous song titles to his name, and he's been writing and performing for more than half of his life. We are super lucky to have him as our worship director. And when he started talking about the possibility of recording some of the originals that he and others had written for the church, the whole team got really excited. So the whole purpose of recording was for our church family to have new music to add to their playlists so that they can listen to those songs throughout the week instead of just on Sundays and be encouraged by them. And then also for others outside of the RCC community to be encouraged by those biblical truths within the lyrics. To produce what became RCC Music's first EP, Gentry pulled in Adam Agin from Nashville. Adam is a phenomenal producer and an insanely talented recording artist on his own right. His music has been heard on actually Grey's Anatomy and Pretty Little Liars. So Adam traveled up to Virginia for a weekend of recording for the EP, and the entire team got involved. We all showed up to record what's called gang vocals. It's like group vocals when you hear a kind of like a chorus or a choir singing in the background. It's called gang vocals, fun fact. Um, and a few of our band members recorded instrumental parts. And then Gentry also asked myself and another of our female vocalists, Michelle, to record lead vocals for two of the tracks. We will link to the EP. It's called Children and Can. It came out last June. We'll link to that in the show notes here. It's on Spotify, Apple all the go-to places where you already listen to music. Um, And so I walked into that first recording session last year with very little idea of what I was doing. I was really excited to have been asked to participate, but I also very much underestimated the level of skill and experience and professionalism that was being put into the project. More on that later in this episode. And as a result of underestimating, it meant that listening back on the final result was a humbling experience for me. The track itself, it's called All Things Praise Thee from the EP, that's the one that I sang lead vocals on, is a beautiful piece. It's absolutely beautiful. But looking back, there is a lot more that I could have done to make it even better. There's a lot I could have done differently to make it better. So when Gentry brought up the possibility of helping out with vocals on the newest track, I came in with a completely different headspace than I had a year and a half before. We've recorded twice more since the EP came out last June for two more singles, one that came out in June called The Redeemed, and then we recorded in June for a single that just dropped. Actually, I'm recording this on September 1st. The single just dropped today, and it's called Save and Send, and I have learned a lot about the creative process as a result of those three different recording sessions. Mainly, recording reminded me that when it comes to business, Brand photography is not about us as photographers or about making sure our particular style or aesthetic is front and center. It's about letting the client shine and using our skills and our gifts to help them bridge the gap between brand intention and audience perception. Now, that's not to say that you should ignore red flags from a client who is asking you to shoot maybe in a way that you're not comfortable with or that um, it's not. I'm not advocating that you should leave your own stylistic preferences in the dust. It is good to have a signature style and a defined look, but it is also important to recognize when the client's brand vibe requires a shift from your typical fare. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. 
Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty. But who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. If you're coming from a background in weddings or families, this can be challenging at first. As a wedding photographer, my style was my style. I was a hybrid film and digital photographer with a romantic and energetic style. And if I was on a call with a client who was asking for, I don't know, lots of drama, um, maybe they want like a moodier feel or like a high fashion type vibe, then I would advise them on the call to go with a different photographer who already has that type of style. But as a brand photographer, because every business is so different, it means that moderate adjustments to my approach, those are sometimes necessary to make sure that what I produce works in harmony with their brand aesthetic. I never, ever want the photographs that I create for a client to end up being a distraction because it is so obviously different from what the client has going on outside of the work that I've done for them. When we recorded the first time for All Things Praise Thee, that was an old hymn that Gentry had rewritten. He'd written a new melody and tweaked the words a little bit to work with that new melody. And during the recording session in February of 2022, after my first couple of run-throughs of the song, Adam, our producer, had given me some feedback to the tune of, I need you to, and you could tell he was trying to be delicate because he didn't want to wound my ego, Uh, but he was like, I need you to sing this less perfectly which sounds like a compliment, um, and it didn't really compute with me. Like, I don't understand. I'm singing it exactly the way that it was written. How can that be wrong? Um, What I didn't, what didn't click was that he was asking me to sing with more emotion, not quite so robotically. The final song, if you listen to the recording, is beautiful. And Gentry and Adam made it emotive despite my somewhat wooden vocals. But listening back, I can hear that what Adam was trying to get me to do was relax. (laughs) So before I hopped into the recording booth for the most, and I used the term recording booth, that sounds very fancy. What we did was we were in our church uh, sanctuary on the stage and we used these like huge light stands and draped a like a sound dampening blanket over top of them. So you have like a triangle of tripods set up, raised up as high as they can go with a big black blanket draped over them. And inside this little recording tent, booth sounds fancier, but inside the tent is like, we've got the, uh, the mic 
setup with more sound dampening panels around that. And there was an iPad stand, but it was pitch black in there outside of the little glow that was emanating from the mic and from the iPad. So I actually shot some B-roll and some photographs for the last time that we did this. And it was challenging to try to get photos inside the booth because it was so dark. But just so you know, when I say booth, we're not talking like... Like he came to rest in Virginia to record this. We did not go to Nashville in order to do it. So before I hopped into the recording tent for the most recent single, Save and Send, Adam told me, so you know how you have this whole like Disney vibe? I need you to sound less Disney this time. Which firstly, I knew that was meant as constructive criticism, but that is one of the nicest things that anyone has ever said to me for the record. But I got what it was he was trying to say. He wanted something less by the book and something that felt more genuine, more human, more relatable. Why? Because that was what was most appropriate for this particular track. Worship music, if you are not in the church or in the sort of not into worship music. The point of worship music is meant to point not to the musicians, but to our creator. True worship is standing in a state of awe and giving glory to the one who made us. And the role of a worship leader is not to put on a good performance, but to lead others to that state of awe to, as my friend Terry Stephan says, prop open the door of heaven and invite others into the presence of the king. So if the creative director says, I need more grit from you in order for this project to live into the vision that I have for it, in order for it to be effective in propping open that door, then that is what we do. As a brand photographer, if a client comes to you and says, I really want to shoot a series of photos in front of a colorful backdrop and I I love the look of this type of lighting, maybe I really like American apparel, like high key, like almost straight on lighting then your job as the brand photographer is to help them marry their vision with your abilities. If something is truly beyond your ability, tell them, tell them right away. Like, no, that's not possible. Like what you're asking for would require like a $4 million budget. And I just don't think we're going to be able to do that with a $5,000 brand session. Tell them right away. But if it's not beyond your ability, maybe it's beyond your comfort zone, but not beyond your ability, then that is where we have the opportunity to be flexible, to try something new, to produce an even more effective result for the client. I would, to be clear, I would never advocate for promising a client that you can do something that you can't. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I want to impress upon you is that your style is not king here. Brand photography requires for you to be flexible, to place the client's brand vibe over your own needs for, you know, 100% portfolio consistency. So when we were prepping for Natalie Frank's second brand shoot of 2022, we did two. We did like a full day sort of brand overhaul, and then we did a second half day follow-up shoot for that because she'd started working with a graphic designer on a, on a rebrand. And her designer had a really specific vision for high key lighting and colorful, seamless backdrops for to, in order to support this overall bold, unapologetic look. So we rented a studio and brought in rolls of paper backdrops and I shot the entire thing with studio lighting. Does it stick out in my portfolio? Yes, it doesn't look like most of what else is on my website, but that was what the project needed in order to allow Natalie's brand to say what it needed to say. So my style still comes through in the posing and the compositional aspects of those photographs, but the thought of, you know, is this going to blend into my social media feed isn't really a factor. 
Another way we're flexible is that I have a few clients I alter my edits for in order to fit their existing collection of visuals. One of them is a real estate brokerage. I've been working with them for years and they have a warmer, earthier feel to their brand. So I have a separate preset that I use for their photographs than I would for maybe another client who doesn't have a super established, super cohesive uh, like editing vibe already going on. Insider tip, you will not find this anywhere on my website, but when I'm shooting for other photographers, I ask if they have a preset that they would like me to use or an editor that they would like me to send the Lightroom catalog to because I want their brand photographs to work with their existing portfolio, not stick out like a like a sore thumb. So we did that with KT Mary's session. Last year, I sent them to her editor. Uh, for Julie Paisley's session this past spring, Julie sent me her presets. Um, and then for Caitlin James, I sent her images to her editor, Marissa. When my friend Ali of Alessandra Photography shot my brand photos last year, I asked from the get-go if I would be able to edit my own photographs so that they matched as close to as possible my existing body of work. Sometimes when a client asks you to shoot in a way that pushes the boundaries of your own work, you end up finding something you really like. So when we were prepping for the most recent recording session for Save and Send, Gentry asked for a softer, breathier sound from me. And I had never experimented with any sound other than what felt most natural, my my Disney voice, as Adam called it. So it took a few false starts, but I think we got there in the end. Um, again, we'll link that song in the show notes if you want to take a listen to it. At first, that softer, breathier sound was uncomfortable because I was trying to sound different from what came most naturally, my usual tone. But I was grateful for the push to try something new because it definitely felt like a better fit for this particular song. And when we finished my recording session and I came out of the the booth, Adam actually said to me, he was like, that sound right there, that's your new worship leader voice. Like that is a good fit for you. That sounds good for you. It sounds very natural for you. Taking that to brand photography, we've had a couple of clients this year who have asked about video, as in like, can you shoot some B-roll at my session? And at first, I was like, no, I don't offer that. Uh, I mean, I said it more nicely than that. I'm a good brand photographer, but video felt like a big leap. But then the question came up again, and I had to wonder if this was going to become a recurring issue. Um, We've had a few sessions where our clients have hired videographers to come in and shoot B-roll, and it seemed... Maybe not easy, but like, okay, it's a simple enough concept. Like take the concept that I'm already shooting still photographs of and then introduce some movement. So I agreed to try it. And I also prepped my client to have very low expectations, as in I've never done video before and I cannot guarantee you any specific results. This is an truly an experiment. And I actually really like what we produced. The process was very bumpy the first time through. I I learned a lot, definitely changed the flow of the brand shoot, but I'm glad I did it. And I actually really enjoyed the final product. It's not something maybe I want to do for every brand session, nor is it something that every client needs. But now I know that if someone does ask about video in the future, I don't have to immediately respond with, you're going to need to email a videographer about that. Okay, so maybe this is me being a competitive middle child, but I do not like being told what to do when I think I'm supposed to be in charge. Uh, Side note, as a parent, this is a fun button that my son likes to press. Uh, We'll be sitting and reading with Felix, and maybe I get sidetracked for a moment, and he rebukes me with, read, mama. And one of the most commonly uttered phrases in our house right now is, that's not how you speak to me, bud. Why don't you try again? (laughs) 
So as a wedding photographer, the hierarchy of vendors was pretty clear. So the wedding planner had the vision and then the other vendors executed it. And I, the photographer, was in charge of documenting, capturing creatively how that vision was executed. But I, even though I knew the wedding planner was sort of like the, the, the visioneer, I did not love being told exactly which shots to take and which angles to shoot from. I can remember a couple of occasions where my guard would go up when I was being told how to frame a particular photo by another vendor. I'm not proud of that, but there it is. But sometimes another vendor does know better. I've had a few projects over the years where the client is working closely with a graphic designer and the progress that they're making on the website does heavily influence the photographs that we need to plan for. Or in working with a client who had a book coming out, sometimes there is significant input from the publisher. For Mary Marantz's session um, before her book Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots came out, her editor actually flew out for the shoot and gave me input in real time. And that was really helpful because she brought with her the pages, the first proofs of the book and so I got to get an idea of where the photos from the shoot were going to fit in and what sort of compositions would be most helpful given the current layout and the design of the book to that point. What I'm saying is being a brand photographer means knowing when to cede creative direction to another who knows best. It doesn't mean abandoning your own expertise and it doesn't mean you can't stick to your guns if you really and truly believe something won't work or if it's at loggerheads with what you believe the creative direction of the shoot is. But I found brand photography to be way more collaborative than my past work in weddings. And weddings were already pretty collaborative. So I don't mind one bit if a client wants to give me a list of requested shots because they'll sometimes ask that on sales calls. Like, do you mind? I have like a list of photos that I kind of have. I'm like, please send that over. Like I used to cringe a little bit when brides would ask about shot lists because you know that they got that from like a Pinterest download. But with my clients, like they know their brands so well, they're more aware of maybe certain gaps or holes in their existing marketing collateral that I may not have seen yet. So when they ask, can I send over a list of requested shots? I'm like, yes, please. I would love to see that. I will add that to my shot list. So if someone on the team is asking for something that you're not quite understanding, this is where you ask for references or examples. When Gentry initially said that he wanted to hear a softer, breathier sound, I was like, cool, I'll just sing more quietly. Uh, side note, I have zero formal training as a vocalist. I, like I said, spent years playing classical music as a woodwind player. Uh, so I understand music theory and composition, but vocals are something I'll be honest, I could probably stand to take a few lessons for. Um, but then Gentry explained that singing more softly, simply lowering the volume wasn't what he was after. I needed to change the quality of the sound that I was putting out. So he ended up putting together a Spotify playlist for me of other female vocalists with a similar airy sound. And that was really helpful and assisted me in fully catching the vision for the sound that he was looking for for Save and Send. Sometimes a client will start to describe a vision for their brand, for their vibe that isn't quite clicking with me. It hasn't gelled yet. It usually happens on our first call, on our sales call. And when that happens, I will ask the client to, I, I don't tell them like, oh, this isn't registering because I don't want it to sound like you're not painting a clear picture. It's just more like, hmm, something hasn't quite, it hasn't quite clicked here. So um, 
can you put together a Pinterest board for me? Uh, this is also why on the pre-shoot questionnaire that we send all of our clients, we have that available in our shop if you want to check it out. On that questionnaire, I ask about other leaders or personalities that they look up to and any other vendors that they tend to be grouped with. I want to make sure that I am crystal clear before I start writing my shot list. I want to make sure I'm crystal clear on how they see themselves as a brand so that I can come in and support that vision with photographs that tell the same story. Inside Brand Photography Academy, we call this putting on the coat. If the client's brand was a coat, I want to know what color it is, what sort of fabric it's made out of, how long is it, what season was it made for, does it have a belt or a zipper or buttons, maybe some of each. I, I want to know what it feels like when you put it on, how soft or rough the fabric is on your skin, all of that. And on the day of the shoot, I want to be able to put on that coat and shoot for a brand as close to how they would shoot for themselves if they had my equipment and my expertise. As I was listening to the Spotify playlist Gentry sent over with reference tracks, I felt like I was beginning to understand what he wanted. So I sent over a voice memo with a few lines of the song like, okay, here's how I used to sing it, da 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 here's how I think you want me to sing it and then sing it in the new way with the breathier style. I was like, is this more of what you're looking for to make sure that I was tracking? I got a confirmation back. Yep, you are absolutely on the right track. So then I could move forward with practicing with confidence that I was going in the right direction. How this relates to brand photography is earlier this year, I had a client with a vision for their shoot that I was admittedly struggling to track with at first. Um, they'd had some significant changes to their brand over the last year, and the shoot that we were planning for, it was actually a campaign shoot, so we were shooting for a new course that they're coming out with, which meant that that had its own sub-brand. There was just a lot of redesign happening, and for me, something wasn't quite clicking yet. So I took my notes from their sales call. I took the answers from the pre-shoot questionnaire and I put together a short creative brief with a mood board, a short prop list, and a handful of ideas from the shot list. And I sent that over to the client with the kind of question of like, am I on track? Is this what you're seeing in your head? And then I got an enthusiastic yes and I felt a lot better about moving forward with planning for their brand shoot. And that exercise on its own was really helpful. That forced me to clarify all of the ideas that had been bouncing around my head and to do it well in advance of the session instead of waiting and praying that things would simply congeal on their own and inspiration would strike once I got on set. That can be scary, asking your clients like, hey, like, what do you think? Am I on the right track? Because you might hear something that you don't like. The client might tell you, no, that's not right. Try again. That's happened to me. Um, I was on a strategy call with a client a couple years ago, and I presented my ideas for storylines for their shoot, and I kept striking out. I had not fully understood the assignment yet, and the client was kind enough to be straightforward with me because I think Brene Brown says kind is clear, unclear, no, Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So she was kind enough to be clear with me and tell me like, no, that's not, I don't, that's not really what I want to do. That's not really how I want to come across. So we ended that call with the agreement that we needed a second strategy call, which I never do. But I just wasn't comfortable leaving that call with, ah, I'm sure we'll figure it out. So I went back to the drawing board with their new input and I came up with a new set of storylines and pitched those at the second strategy call and we were back on track. And thank goodness all of that happened before her brand shoot because that meant I had the chance to course correct and create a plan that would actually support my client's marketing goals. The alternative option, if they had not said anything during that first strategy call, 
was to spend a full day creating content that was not helpful and would not be used and then hearing about my client's disappointment after it was too late to do anything about it. Again, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So we need to learn to listen with a critical ear. That is a discipline. It doesn't feel good maybe in the moment, but you will grow further and faster if you learn to listen with a critical ear than if you never asked for feedback. I used to be really scared of feedback when it came to my voice. I mean, I told you at the top of this episode that I straight up refused to listen to game tape when Gentry first introduced the concept. And I think the underlying reason for that was really like, what if I'm not as good as I think I am? Or what if that recording confirms that I am as mediocre as I suspect? (laughs) But when you're recording for a track, a professional track, you are in a booth by yourself with a huge pair of studio monitor headphones that cut out all the ambient noise. And those headphones pipe in the music that you're going to be singing along to. It's called a scratch track. Um, So they they pipe in the scratch track so that you can make sure, you know, you're on the beat and you're coming in at the right places. But you also hear your voice as you're recording. And both Gentry and Adam had headphones on to listen. And if there were any other people in the room who wanted to listen to, like any other musicians who were there to record before or after, there were headphones for them as well. It was the most raw experience I have ever had as a vocalist because there was nowhere to hide if I biffed a line. And I I say if, like it might have happened. It happened multiple times. So it'd be like shooting a session with your camera tethered to a widescreen TV and a small audience of peers in the room offering constructive criticism and feedback as you go. It is an incredibly humbling experience, but the results were way better as a result. Even just my experience recording in the booth the first time in February 2022, that identified flaws that I had been glossing over for seven years. And that had reverberating effects for how I've led worship ever since then. So when I stepped into the booth this past June, I was actually really excited for the feedback as we went because I knew that it would only make me better. It doesn't feel good for someone to tell you that wasn't strong, you need to do it again. But outside input on an issue that you are too close to helps to identify areas that you weren't even aware that you were struggling. And as painful as that can be, when someone puts their finger on an issue that you know isn't strong, but maybe you'd been hoping that nobody else had noticed, that forces you to get real with yourself and your own work and to stop pretending the good enough is sufficient. I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to ruffle some feathers. Ignorance isn't bliss, it's laziness especially when people are paying for your expertise. Pretending that your weakness doesn't exist does not then make you strong. It just means you're apathetic about the possibility of getting better. If you have a broken leg and you've been ignoring it because you're afraid to go to the doctor and get bad news, I have talked about this in past episodes. I am the worst at this. I'm like, well, if I just don't go to the doctor, there's no way they can confirm for me that something's actually wrong. No, if you don't go to the doctor, it doesn't mean your leg isn't still broken. You probably actually end up doing more damage by walking around on a fractured tibia. And so as a brand photographer, I get it. Best case scenario, asking clients for feedback is like going for a physical. Like, fingers crossed, your blood work comes back and everything looks good. And asking for feedback and getting constructive criticism that you weren't necessarily expecting, that can feel like a punch to the gut, like getting bad medical news. But the constructive criticism that we've received has only ever made me better at my job. And that momentary discomfort of reading something that I wasn't expecting that maybe makes you feel like you missed the last step going down the stairs, like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize they were disappointed or I didn't realize that upset them. That momentary discomfort is well worth the reverberating effects that this will have on your business in the months and years to come. 
we have a feedback questionnaire that we send after every brand shoot. And just this past spring, a client let me know that I was sending the prop list too late. I was my my SOP was to send it a week before the session, um, but that this was just too close to the date of their shoot. And because I sent a few items on that list that they did not already have, they ended up needing to pay for rush shipping to get that stuff in time for their shoot because all of us were traveling in for their session. And so my I wouldn't call it an error, but like my process was faulty, and as a result, it cost them money. So what did I do after we got that feedback? I immediately sent them a Voxer apologizing for the inconvenience that that it caused them. And I let them know how we were going to make it right in the future. I told them that moving forward, we've adjusted our SOPs. Like I did all of this before I sent them the Vox. So I could say, we've just now done this. We've just now changed these things. We've adjusted our SOPs, our standard operating procedures, to now send the prop list three weeks before the shoot. And my VA has that in her workflow to add that when we book a client, my VA has a certain number of things that get added to the calendar that she goes in and puts on my Google Calendar. And now this is one of them, is that the prop list is due backdated three weeks from their session so that we never run into this issue again. And the funny thing is that by changing the due date of the prop list, it's actually forced me to get more organized earlier on because I used to delay. the. I didn't like putting the prop list together, which is why I waited until a week before a shoot to do it. But realizing that did not serve my clients well and that this was an area, it was a bottleneck for some of our people because they couldn't order stuff until they heard from me and they weren't going to hear from me until a week before their shoot. And so if I would just get my stuff together earlier, this served them better. And then had the side benefit of making me get more organized, which has decreased the frenetic energy that I used to feel when I would prepare for a session. When you're asking for feedback from trusted sources, you learn not to take it personally when the results are less than what you'd hoped for because it isn't about you as a human or your worth or your character. It is just an objective observation about a product that you have put out. Recording for Save and Send and for the EP last year, I recorded the same verse four, five, six times, sometimes more for every verse and every chorus and the bridge and the final choruses. And there were instances where Adam would ask me to re-record numerous takes of one isolated line because that is part of the process. I've never been in studio with Adele, but I'm guessing her recordings are not all one take wonders. Maybe they are. She is Adele after all. But I asked Adam, I was like, is it normal to go again and again on the same parts of the song? And the answer was 100% yes. No one can be expected to get it right the first time every time. Our work feels so personal. And so when somebody offers criticism, it can feel like you're being cut down or made smaller. But if we want to get better at our craft, you have to learn to let go of the expectations that you will never make a mistake and be willing to see those mistakes or those areas of weakness for what they are, which is evidence of your humanity. And it's an opportunity to do better on the next go round. It is illogical and unfair to expect that every time you pull out your camera, it's going to be the best work you've ever produced up to this point. Should that be your goal? Yes, of course. We always want to give our clients our best work. But we are humans and we are incapable of absolute perfection. It is written into our DNA. So when you do make mistakes in your profession, which you will, I do. I've been at this for 13 years and I still make mistakes. And so when you make those mistakes, it isn't automatically evidence that you have no idea what you're doing or that you're unqualified and you should shut your business down. But it is up to you how you choose to move forward. Will you ignore the mistake or the weakness and hope that nobody else notices? Or 
Will you own the mistake and use it to do a better job next time? Then when you've got your feedback and you're willing to face it head on, you have to practice. Because the difference in knowing what you need to do versus knowing how to do it and turning it into muscle memory, those are two completely different things. Going back to the breathier sound issue, once I figured out what sort of vocal quality Gentry was looking for, it took work to get that sound to come out. I had to focus on relaxing my chest cavity. It was not the thing that came out. Like if you told me to sing now, that wouldn't be the thing that came out. It would be my Disney voice. So learning to sing with that breathier sound, I had to focus on relaxing my chest cavity. It was a conscious effort that I could not do if I was stressed out or distracted. So I practiced in the car, in the house when no one else was home. Uh, I sang along with the demo of the song over and over and I recorded the results in voice memos. I actually turned my podcast mic on and sang into that so that I could hear not just how it sounded in my head as my voice was exiting my mouth, but I wanted to hear how it was registering on a recording. Did it sound the way that it had sounded when I sent that sort of demo scratch recording to Gentry in a voice memo? So that way, when I stepped into the recording booth, I didn't have to think about or wonder if I was getting the right sound, which then freed up bandwidth to just get lost in the music and give what they were ultimately looking for, which was a more emotive recording that that felt genuine to the human experience. Knowing the theory of how to use off-camera flash is very different from the confidence that comes from having actually used off-camera flash and liking the results. And this is why practicing, we talk about this in Lighting the Brand Session, this is why practicing with your gear is so important. When you get stressed out during a shoot, creativity and flexibility, they're the first things to go. If the light on set is awful and you know it, but you've only ever used your flash in textbook perfect conditions, you're going to be so caught up in trying to dial in the mechanics and sweating over the results that your ability to think like an artist is going to go straight out the window. But if you've practiced with your gear, if you've used it in suboptimal conditions and you've built the muscle memory of how to achieve soft light or how to control contrast or how to combine off-camera flash with natural light so it doesn't feel like it was shot with a flash, you will be better able to maintain a cool head and your creativity when the conditions on set are less than perfect. As brand photographers and small business owners, working in the service industry should be a humble position. But too often we get caught up in our own muck to remember that it is not about us, it is about the people that we serve. By being willing to adapt your style to the needs of the projects, sharing the lead when it's called for, and embracing the idea of listening with a critical ear, you will be better equipped to use that incredible set of gifts that I know you have for the good of those around you. And according to C.S. Lewis, that's the definition of humility. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I would love, love to invite you to head over to Spotify or wherever it is you love to listen to music to check out the new single, Save and Send by RCC Music. And while you're there, make sure you guys give the account a follow and check out the existing catalog of music, the EP Children and Kin on constant repeat in our house. We'll link to that in the show notes. You can also find RCC Music on um, YouTube, Instagram, Apple Music, again, anywhere you love to listen to your favorite playlists. And I'll just say, this is a team of like volunteers. We don't have an affiliate link. I don't make any money from this. I'm just really, really passionate about the work that we're doing with our worship team. 
Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about Facebook ads. I've got Ashley Braswell, Facebook ads expert, coming on the show for a conversation about running ads to service-based businesses like brand photographers. If you've ever been skeptical of paid ads, especially someone like me who is skeptical of paid traffic for high-ticket offers like large branding sessions, you are definitely not going to want to miss this one. She has some serious gold that she's dropping. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace, and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?